Hey, one, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia Orion. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that more than you even know. I'm coming to you live and direct from my apartment down here in Medellin, Colombia. And if you can hear construction, I apologize. There's construction outside of my building. There's construction going on inside my building. Um, but the pod don't stop. You know what I mean? We're going to keep podding. I'm a pod star, not a doctor. So, um, yeah, I wanted to come talk to you guys today actually about a couple different things. Uh, for everyone who is tuning in on audio, thank you for tuning in. Anyone who's tuning in on video, you realize that I maybe got a new hat, grow my beard back out, you know, new new chapter of my life, new version of me. Um, but a lot going on right now in terms of uh, where I'm at kind of mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and I'm at kind of this crossroads in my career as well. And so I want to talk to you guys about all of those things, kind of give you my thoughts on so far, I might take three months into Medellin, um, possible next steps, what I'm thinking about, um, and a couple, I wouldn't say epiphanies, but sort of realizations that I've had lately and in, in, in big changes that I've made in my life. Because to be honest, I'm going to get this out there first and foremost, is it's been, this last three months in Medellin has actually been incredibly challenging for me. And I've been having a really hard time figuring out why. I've been struggling a lot, honestly. I was in June. I went back home for my birthday to upstate New York to see my mom and dad. And then, you know, every time I go back, it's like a reset. It's a hard reset. So I got 30 days. You know, I wouldn't say super focused, but I'm there with mom and dad. I'm focused on what's important, reconnecting with family, friends, um, just getting in touch with myself, eating good food, and really I use those chapters to kind of every six months kind of dial in what's next for me, where I want to go. So I, I have a great 30th birthday and do a little bit of mushrooms and uh, just take some time to kind of think about where I'm at in my life and I'm feeling ready for my next chapter. I come down here to Columbia and I just get thrown for a loop. I think because what I've started to figure out now is I'm at a point in my life where I'd say I'm, a, I'm vulnerable because it's almost like the more you know, the less you know, or the more you know, the more you don't know. And so I'm at a point where I'm really questioning a lot in my life, questioning what I believe and questioning what I really want out of life. You know, 30, it's a big year. So... Now I'm just, at, I'm at this point where I know I'm kind of at a crossroads. I can feel it. I realize for where I want to go, the kind of next levels of my life in order to get there, I'm going to need to go through some serious mindset changes. I'm going to need to level up in a lot of ways in terms of my abilities and my skills to get where I want to go and to be the man that I want to be. And for some reason, just the mixture of that vulnerability, kind of questioning where I'm at and the just where I'm at mindset wise of being a little bit, I'd say vulnerable, maybe a little fragile isn't the right word, but in, um, easily influenced. And then I come here to Colombia, especially here in Medellin and just that concoction of the culture here, the vibe here where I'm at, it, it ends up being this really weird kind of concoction that throws me for a total curveball, And some place, I think a lot of what determines a place in your experience in a location, in a city, 
in a time in your life is where you're at in that time of your life. And so when I think back on my time in Asia, the three years, two and a half years that I was out there, um, there, I was very confident in who I was and what I was and what I was doing. And so the culture, there was this, the cultural piece was really cool and I was able to kind of accept it and roll with it. And the same in Mexico, I, I was learning Spanish for the first time. I'm still learning Spanish, but really jumping into it. I had kind of a clear, a very clear vision. I was putting together my real, my first real funnel and first real um, online course and coaching program. And for some reason, my, that last tail end of Mexico, when I was in Mexico City, I started to go feel like I was going a little bit off the rails, just kind of into like nihilism land a little bit and just sort of... I was just losing my marbles, just that sort of, those sort of like weird kind of cyclical um, places that, that I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit prone to from time to time. It's sort of like a, like a, like a weird vortex I can get kind of caught up in. So anyways, I come down here to Colombia to Medellin and I don't exactly know what it was about that time of my life. Well, it's this time, it's still, it's happening right now. But what I've been not able to dial in is I think because I'm 30 and a lot of my friends now, a lot of my acquaintances are getting married and are having kids, that's on my mind a lot. This idea of partnership, companionship, etc. When I was in Asia, I was very much focused on self-improvement. And so having a partner, that wasn't really important to me then. And, and so I almost, to be honest, because I am part robot, I kind of, I'd say, shut that part of myself down. My sexuality, um, my really, my need for companionship, my my lust for a partner, all of it. That, that craving for attention of intimate, that real intimate connection. For some reason, I was able to just kind of shut that off. And really focus on what I wanted to. But I would say I was almost like asexual in a weird way. Where just sexual thing, like I just didn't have any interest in that. Like my, I wasn't in touch with my masculinity in a weird way. I moved to Mexico and that that starts to reawaken a little bit. I'm like, ooh, I was like, I kind of want a girlfriend. and Or I kind of want that, com- that female companionship. I want to get back in touch with that masculinity. And plus, I just think Latino women are beautiful period. And so that sort of like sparked that up again. And then in Guadalajara, so in Oaxaca, I had kind of a lady friend. And then when I was in Guadalajara, I had the first, my first serious girlfriend that I've had in a long time. She's the one I've told you about before on the pod. She's in the pod. She's a rock star. And that really opened my eyes up again to be like, wow, I really love, I really do love having a partner. There's a, there's a, another kind of level of life that I think feel like you get access to in terms of, I don't want to say happiness, but in terms of just cer- certain experiences, I believe personally are enriched with the company of other people. And going through this life, this kind of nomad life, when I was in Asia, that was no problem. But now it's interesting. This is my fourth year on the road and abroad. And sometimes you know, you you come to a place and it's like, this is really cool and there's nobody to share it with. And there's something about that that um, is kind of intrinsically 
not lonely. I'm fine being by myself, but realizing how how much I really do enjoy that element of being able to share these experiences with somebody else. And I think because I've realized how important that is to me, I've om- what, what threw me for a loop down here coming to Columbia was, I think, looking for that again and seeking that, not necessarily, and not realizing that that's what I was doing, I think, because, excuse me, there's a, there's a, like I said, every city and every culture has its own vibe. And here in Medellin, and I think in Colombia, there's a piece of the, the, the culture that's very sexual, which is really cool. And there's, the people are beautiful. The women are beautiful. The men are beautiful as well. It's just a very loving culture. It's a very sexual culture too. Like there's just like big booties in your face all the time. And it's like something about that that I I wasn't expecting. And I think because now looking back on it, I'm I'm at this kind of point where I want where I'm kind of uh lusting after that partnership or craving that partnership, I guess. It it reawakened a whole bunch of these different feelings that I haven't felt in a long time. And part of that is want that, the, the, I wouldn't, I, and then I'd say in almost a negative connotation, like a craving, I guess, for female attention, really the desire for female attention, which normally I, I, it's like, I can take it or leave it. It's like, cool. If there are ladies that dig me, cool. Like I am what I am. And this kind of like, like robotic musician dude doing my thing. If you dig it, let's see what's up. If not, take it or leave it. It's cool. Or here, uh, it, I since I think I really wanted it more, that attention, I started to fall into the trap of though the that need or that desire for external validation because that's what it ended up, that's what it kind of manifests as. If you really break it down, it's kind of, I think, an, uh, an inherent sort of loneliness for where I'm at in my life and, and kind of wanting to share these experiences, wanting a partner. And then because that trying to escape maybe a little bit of that loneliness, it's manifesting in this craving or need for attention from women. And because of that, it's really had me, I've started to question a lot of um, my, I've been, it's probably one of the more, when I say vulnerable, I almost mean like insecure parts of my life as well. Like I'm, I'm realizing these, these small things I'm wanting to change. I'm like buying new clothes. I bought cologne. I couldn't tell you the last time I wore cologne. I was probably in college 10 years ago. And so these behaviors as well of also like wanting to go out more. And I think part of that is this influence of the city and the culture where when you're in New York, you feel like you should be going out because you're in New York. Like there's like stuff to do when you're in LA, you're like, I feel like I need to be networking or I need to be, you feel there's like a, there's a pressure there. But if you live in like the middle of Montana, you're like, I'm kind of cool just at the crib because there's not like there are a bunch of parties going on. Same how I feel when I'm at home with my mom and dad in my mom and dad's little house in upstate New York. 
it's it's, a, it's we call it the 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 Albertson Rogers Rehab Facility because it's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's this beautiful, uh, you know, post and beam house, and it's, the sun is shining, a lot of green space, a lot of trees, good food, garden, that sort of stuff. But there's really nothing to do like outside of the house. So I, you don't feel I don't feel like pressured to ever leave or like I'm missing out on something compared to here. I think one because the allure of the, the that kind of mm, kind of like being in the mix sort of a vibe out meeting people meeting girls and then as well as a lot of my friends there's a big nomad population here and a lot of my friends are you know either have really cool girlfriends or do really well with the girls here and so there's a part of me that felt like that's what I should be doing is like um that and I know this sounds weird and superficial, but it's the truth is like that be, if I'm, if I'm kind of in my normal Kia lane of a little bit more introverted, a little bit more, uh, kind of lone wolf, like doing my own thing. I felt that that kind of like FOMO piece was, was, is really, was really hard to, to combat that. And so I kind of went back. I kind of like, I kind of tipped the scales back in the other direction of then going out a lot more than I normally do and chasing girls a lot more than I normally do and having experiences that are maybe a little bit more skin deep than I normally do. And the girls I'm pursuing are maybe a little bit more skin deep than I normally do. And so it led to this kind of weird cyclical thing of also kind of like wanting that attention, not really being able to get it because the girls also hear that I'm, that I was, I mean, the women are beautiful, but it's also, it's a lot of the vibe when you're out and about in certain types of places that I was out and about in, it's going to be a little bit more of your, I don't want to say superficial, but kind of like the clubby type vibe, the nightlife type vibe of those type of girls where they often, I think, want something different than what I offer. The guy who goes to bed at 9.30 who's like interested in like waking up and drinking water and doing yoga is like, and like eating healthy salads and fast, like my kind of like super healthy, like go to bed, chase your dreams kind of a vibe is a little, it doesn't exactly mesh with like that, like going clubbing. Sometimes there's some like drinking and drugs involved or whatever it is, but like, just different, there's a different, we're on a different wave. One's not better than the other. I just happen to be on my own wave and um, finding, not finding the women that that was aligning with. And then, so then feeling like I needed to change my, feeling like I needed almost like mold or fold parts of myself to like fit more into the, whatever it is that they wanted to be more appealing to them because I was at that vulnerable piece where, place where I wanted that attention from women. And in finding that balance, I think, for myself of how much are you willing to not sacrifice, but what are you willing to give? How much of your priorities, your time, effort, money, your, your uh, beliefs, whatever it is, are you willing to compromise in order to get that, get those things, to have that validation, to have attention, to be um, the guy that that would be more appealing to maybe these 
these types of people. And that's, that's, I think has been, um, messing with me is this, is it's this kind of feeling of when I am true to myself, true to myself, not having that, not, not have, I wouldn't, I don't know how to phrase it, but not, um, being able to connect, not finding that connection with women. So almost like, and not internalize that as rejection. And that's a part I think because I, I, I am is sort of this like strange crossroads in life. A lot of it did feel kind of like rejection. And it, and it was that, that same feeling of like when you're in high school again and you're, um, you know, you ask out the girl and maybe you're not cool enough or whatever it is that I think we all feel some sense of that unless you were the kid who just crushed it in high school, which I was not, um, I had big rainbow, I had a mouthful of big rainbow braces. <laughs> I was wearing, I was wearing collared shirts and then a t-shirt over it. So I'd wear like a collared shirt and then a t-shirt, like a skateboarding t-shirt over it with the collar coming out. It was, it was a, it was a weird time in my life, different time in my life. We'll put it like that. Um, so we'll, so we'll say that high school was not my ideal, um, chapter of my life with women. And so, but feeling that again, that like, um, that like inherent sense of wanting to be wanted, which is like the worst place to come from. If you actually want to find a cool connection with somebody, (laughs) because that like, that's not the reason to do it. You know what I mean? And, and so really dialing that in, there was a girl that I was seeing here, and she was beautiful, like Instagram model-y type. And I was like, wow. And I was like, she likes me? And then I ended up really bending to her will. It sounds weird, but like I was very accommodating. And I try to be accommodating normally as, as, a, as a partner, as a boyfriend, because I, I want to. I want to be nice. I want to, I want to provide a good experience for you. You know, that's the whole point is I want you to enjoy our company together as much as I am. But it ended up becoming, I feel like a little bit one-sided where I felt more like I was like doting on her. Um, and I think again, part of that is culturally. She told me that, that Colombian men are very attentive, very tender. And, and I think that that is maybe a cultural thing of, she wanted to be treated like a princess. And listen, I want to spoil you, but I also I also like, maybe that's just the gringo in me, the, the, the New Yorker in me. I like that independence in a woman too. I want a girl who, who asks me to do things, communicates well with me, but also like is super fully capable of like totally doing stuff on her own. But if I like dote on her, it's a bonus compared to like the, the norm is the expectation that I'm going to treat you like a princess. And I think I fell into that a bit because of how physically, and we did get along, we had a great connection, but also because it was like what that old high school version of Kia like would want and like, or finds attractive and like, wow, she's beautiful. And then because of that, realizing that was just a mirror reflection on me of I think needing to work on my own feelings or sense of self-worth because I don't, I don't want, I don't want that feeling of being like, I, like somebody's out of my league of being like, I can't believe they're with me, you know, which, um, 
I mean, as a guy, I just do feel in, ge- in general because women smell so good and look so cute and just like you have nice hair and like I'm kind of smelly and kind of hairy and like I'm out here like singing off key trying to be a rapper. So like one of us really is kind of getting the short end of the stick. But <laughs> in general, I think there's like a real beauty in in that confidence of saying I know what I can offer as a partner and and I and really being confident in that and that's where I think a lot of guys get jealous is because it comes to that insecurity and I've never been a guy who's really jealous because I normally am very secure and that I'm like dude I know I can provide a dope experience I feel like I'm an emotional guy like I feel like I'm my I'm very empathetic I think I have a lot to offer I'm not gonna be your like six foot three perfect model guy whatever superficially but like after after the the you know the physical piece only gets you so far i do feel like i i i feel confident in my abilities to provide a good experience as a partner that said this is the first time in a long time that because of like i said culturally where i'm at etc this is the reoccurring theme i'm going to keep coming back to I started to feel that jealousy, not for other guys towards her, but just in general of like seeing other guys, of, of paying attention to other guys being like that guy, like, um, or comparing to, of again, that, that sort of, that, this is another piece I want to talk about. I actually took notes on this. So I want to talk about it in this pod is that kind of that piece of, excuse me, the biological experience as a man of competition and mate selection and that that is still you know inherently inside of me as an animal but normally like my actual like higher level thinking processing brain can work through those things better and maybe i'll feel that jealousy or that envy or whatever and then i'll say listen i'll say okay Kyo, what about that what am i jealous of why is that a rational thing? Am I just being crazy? Whatever. And sometimes if I am envious, I'll say maybe there's something there because I'm actually – that's a, actually, again, that's a mirror on me. Maybe I'm insecure about where I'm at in my career. Let me not Let me not be angry or spiteful, envious of this guy. Let me just say let me focus on getting my career where I wanted to go. When my cup is full, it's a lot – it's a lot harder to be jealous, insecure, et cetera. But really noticing those things of feeling those – those not I don't want to say negative emotions because emotions just kind of are you assign value to them, but not emotions that I love to feel a lot like jealousy, things of that nature. Um, and because of the comparison piece to, you know, when you compare yourself to somebody else, you're always going to come up short. And so that uh, just feeling, I think a little bit more insecure than I normally do. And so really dialing in what, um, what I want and my way out of this is a couple different things. The first one is realizing that because I was like so thirsty, I think a lot of the times people feel that, you know, girls feel that. And so like, if you, if you're like, Oh, like you really want to make it work. And you're like almost ch- – I think I think it's good to be persistent if there's a girl like, listen, I'm really into you. I want to make this happen. Like I'm serious. Let me take you out, whatever. There's a cool, I think, element. I think some women like to be pursued, and I, 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 I like to be very forward. 
And I do believe in that persistence. Like I said, in Guadalajara, the girl that I ended up dating, it took me like three tries. But she wasn't like, no. And then I'd come back. She would just either like not respond or she, I would feel some interest or whatever. And then finally I just I sent her a voice and I said, hey, listen, if you want to give this a shot, I would love to take you out. You seem super cute. But if you want me to leave you alone, I totally get it. You can let me know or you can ghost me and I'll give up. This is my last chance. I totally get it. Like shoot my shot straight up. No games. That's the type of that's what I do. And so I think I was falling more into the trap of like that sort of like game mentality of like that sort of like pickup, those pickup, like that pickup subculture and like strategies in a way that like, I think there's, a, I think there's some, some beauty in that. A lot of it comes into like being confident and, um, and, like knowing your worth, I think is a lot of kind of the, like pickup game culture, but I don't just cause it's also Kia. Like I just don't like thinking about stuff that much. Like I'm not thinking about like, I got to look like this. And then I say this. And then if you say that, then I say this. I'm just like, I just like to just let it rip. Right. I just kind of shoot from the hip. I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm gonna like, listen, I think you're super cute. Let's get coffee. Like straight up. And if you say no, I'm like, cool, but let me know. I don't like the, I don't like the, like she texts once. So like I wait for a while and then I text her and then like, I can't text twice. You know what I mean? Like if I want to write you a paragraph, I'm going to write you a paragraph and send a bunch of emojis because that's just Kia. And again, I'm, if I can live my authentic self, if you dig that, we're going to get along, which comes back to the point of like me not trying to be something else. Cause then if you like that, that's not even me in the first place. So that like falling prey to those sorts of things and then um in doing so realizing that i was coming on too strong i think or or wanting to make it work so spending too much time kind of pursuing women and in doing so realizing that th- that there's i think the real beauty is if you can be confident and you can really hone in on your energy and like what makes you dope and then you attract that like you don't actually have to do as much pursuing chasing because you then attract the people with the energy that you're into because you're authentically you and so my friend shout out lena we had this analogy of the white whale meaning like the girls that are just like super next level and she, she, she sent me a voice note and she's like, Kia, she's like, what about if you, what about instead of like chasing the white whale, what if you become the white whale and then like white whales are just like no longer existent, which is just a cool way to think about it of being like, what if you just level all the way up and then because your self-worth is there, nobody's out of your league or like a super next level that it's almost like for you to really intrinsically just become that better version of yourself and then nobody feels like a reach because you're you're so locked in you've got you know you you know what you offer you've got um you're confident you've got that kind of those pieces dialed in and I was like that's dope and I like that a lot that idea of like becoming the white whale and really I feel like then for me that was a big mindset shift, which I was slowly kind of happening in general of being like, let me focus again back on, in the periods of my life when I'm most happy, I'm not chasing women. 
And sometimes, listen, sometimes I'll have really long dry spells, and it's like that comes with the territory. But then if it's a double-edged sword because I do believe if you want something to happen, you have to put the effort in to make it happen. You aren't going to find a partner. You aren't going to have these these cool connections, relationships if you don't put the effort in. But I also realize I can tip in too far when you spend too much time there and not enough on like – and it can become almost distraction and a vice in a way. I think it can almost become a, a way to almost like um, – What's the word I'm looking for? But like you like running away from what you want because it does take a lot of time and effort and money rather than um, it just being something like let me put the effort in and then I think I can go too far and detract from where – from like the like kind of um, more inward and, and, and spiritual – I don't like to use the word because it sounds hippy-dippy but I mean it. Um, but you know what I'm saying. And so that was kind of already in the back of my mind. And at the same time, I found myself really unhappy, like the most unhappy I've been in a long time. And it was at the point as well when I was happened to be seeing the most women. And I was like, what is going on? And I recently have fallen in love with this podcast it's by a neuroscientist. And it's all about, um, you know, again, the biology of being human and, um, the how we really are having this biological experience but that there's a method to the madness there that we can understand our actions and our behaviors and our feelings sometimes through the our bio neurochemistry and so that was something that i found fascinating and so there's this one episode on dopamine which i've been obsessed with late um recently after the episode and how it's like every what is it? It's like is that it might be physics or whatever, but every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So when you hit something like a dopamine, whether it's you, you're playing video games, you eat a piece of chocolate, you're having sex, you're doing heroin, like whatever it is, it's like whoo, when you pop up, you're going to pop equally back down. And so like something like chocolate, I think is like 0.5 times more than baseline. I think sex is like two point times more than baseline, um, I think. What was another one? I think sex is like 1.5. I think like cocaine is like 2.5. Nicotine, I think is like 2 or 2.5. But the point is, a lot of times, I think when people do drugs, they talk about coming down, the come down, and the crash. I think the same thing happens why people can become addicted to video games, addicted to porn, gambling, sex, whatever, because you get this boom, you get this spike, and you feel good. And unfortunately, it almost never feels as good as that first time. And so then that's like when quote unquote chasing the high comes in when you get that. And then you kind of want to stay in that elevated state. Unfortunately, anyone who's ever kind of dabbled or, um, maybe not had an addiction, but has, has kind of fallen into like that rabbit hole of like watching a lot of porn is like, you're fine when things it's like, you start to like, Whoa, this is really stimulating. It's like two people going at it. And then if you want, like, if you try, like, the day after and the day after or whatever, you if you if it becomes a little bit more of a habitual thing before you know it. You're, like, in the section where you're, like, watching, like, anime, like, <laughs> just, like, something. You're, like, you're watching, like, some, like, cartoon anime drawn porn with, like, it just ends up becoming, like, another universe. And you're, like, how did, how did we get here? And it's because 
you oh you have to keep stepping it up. I think anyone who's ever had any addictive tendencies, especially towards substances, you realize the same thing. And so for me, fortunately, I've never been a drugs guy because I'm too nutty about my health and about my sleep. So it's like I know how alcohol affects sleep. So I'm like so much of a nerd about sleep. Like I'm not going to be drinking. I also, in terms of drugs, like a lot of times you'll be like staying up late or that will affect your sleep. So I'm not going to be doing it. But for me, I think the... I think sex, porn, masturbation, chasing women, that's always been a little bit more my vice. And in this regard, after listening about this, these episodes and really digesting it, I wanted to, and what I've started to do is not, no masturbating and no porn. And this is like a whole community of guys that are into this stuff. And one, because I noticed that it was starting to like translate a little bit into intimate experiences with women that like I hadn't really experienced before when you're like kind of like down to do the deed and like your main man like is not showing up for you. And I was like, what is like, I'm pretty young dude. Like my testosterone's off the charts right now. Like, like what is going on? And since then, I think it's also the, um, having that that stimulation visually as well i think is like i i almost want to have when i encounter when i have an encounter connection with a woman i want that to be very i want it to be potent right i want that to be like whoa like that feeling again to be novel and to be thrilling again and i think that since i'd kind of gone overboard that my my dopamine baseline ended up. I realized normally I'll wake up and I'm excited about getting after it. I've got big dreams. I'm a far away from them, but I'm just excited about. I love eating as well. Like I'm excited. I wake up. I'm excited about eating breakfast or lunch, depending on what's going on. Like I'm excited about making music. I'm excited about building my business, making content. Like I'm just the dude. My baseline is normally like I'm pretty normally excited about getting after it. I definitely think I'm prone to sometimes being a little over analytical, maybe a little cynical, a little nihilistic, but all in all, especially if I'm sleeping right, I live kind of like I'm in a fight camp. Like my nutrition's dialed in, my sleep is dialed in, my recuperation's dialed in, recovery that like, um, I live almost like a monk. I'm pretty monk-like with my living. And so often I feel charged up about life. I'm sleeping good. Nutrition's dialed in. I'm training. Like, I'm ready to get it. And I found that it was like all that was kind of dulled. I had kind of lost that 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 spark. I was like, it was very like blase, kind of like the nihilist. Like, I almost fell more into that nihilist, like, like, what's the point type of a thing where like often I like the memento mori sort of idea of like, you're going to die. We're all dying. So go get it because you don't know when your time is coming rather than it's like we're all dying so like what what's the point type of a thing and falling more into these kind of like negative cycles negative beliefs that i think plague a lot of us but just finding i was had a harder time combating them that ended up being more of a default and as you can guess then my allure or what would pull me out of that state sort of my drug would be sex and so I would find myself 
putting a lot more time into obtaining that rather than my normal day to day because the normal day to day like music those things kind of lost the normal I'd say the natural high that I kind of get from doing those things was kind of like gone it wasn't gone but it was definitely dulled and I think some you can I've made some of the best art that I've ever made these last few months I think these songs and that's why like Hunter S. Thompson I think like sometimes if when you're in the most kind of like off the rails part of your life sometimes the best art comes from it because you're just a little bit more kind of like messed up. And so I've just made some, I think some of the best songs I've ever written, most honest songs, most painful songs I've ever written as well these last few months being here, kind of going through this. But ironically, the last week or two when I felt the best or the, felt the best that I have in a long time, it's been the hardest I've had to make music. I've made probably the worst songs that I've made since I've been here. So that's unfortunate, but I'm hoping I can get back to still making dope stuff and feeling good. Um, but I say that to say, I also, during that time too, always chasing that high, I realized it was starting to, and I think that also is a telltale sign of addiction, is when it starts to impact your day-to-day -day life. A lot of times people talk about that with drinking, or it's like, oh, I only drink on the weekends or something. But if it's, if it's something where then it's like, it's a, it's interfering with like what you're missing meetings or what you're supposed to be doing or family events, or it's what all you can think about. Like that's, I think when it starts to, you can dial and say, maybe this is something that is starting to dip into that more addictive behavior. And I realized that that's what it was for me was, um, I think it was starting to turn into an addiction and so really kind of putting the brakes on that um and it's sent for the last few weeks it's been i can feel i'm kind of like starting to like ramp up again like my day-to-day -day is kind of feeling better as well because since i'm not out chasing girls or whatever not spending more time with women and it's unfortunate but then i'm also back like i'm more dialed in again like i'm back sleeping at 9 30 i'm like reading again like i'm do i'm like back in monk mode which is unfortunate because I'd be cool to have a balance, but I realize I'm just not very good at balance. I'm like a very kind of black and white type of guy. And the monk mode type of joint just works for me. But like, if like I just gotta, I gotta sleep a lot, keep my diet dialed in. And I realized I was sacrificing a lot of those things to spend time with women, which isn't a bad thing, right? It's, life is just choices. But I tend to be happier when I'm in my kind of like fight camp mode, like waking up 545, boxing, lifting, all that stuff, dialed in, boom, 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 that um, I hope if I find the right partners, those things will meld rather than me spending time with these. A lot of these, a lot of times someone be like, Kia, like they just be like, they think I'm weird. Cause I'm like, I eat super clean, super healthy. Like, cause I'm fasting all of it. They're like, dude, this is dude's weird. But I think the right girl would appreciate that and probably be on the same type of time. She'd be like, Kia, I want to go out and hang with you, but because I've got to be a bed at nine, we can only like hang out until eight thirty. You know, I'm like, damn, this girl is dope. Like she, <laughs> she's even more dialed in than I am. But like, I know that those women are out there. I just think that's the point. Is like, those haven't been the type of girls I've been chasing. 
And that's the, that's kind of the lesson of this is like becoming the white whale, really leveling myself up, attracting that energy that is more aligned with my energy. And I think for my hippy dippy folks out there, they'd say that just recently I've felt out of alignment. And I think another piece of that is this piece of being unsatisfied with where I'm at in my career because I'm at the same place pretty much where I was 10 years ago with in terms of like fans, et cetera, et cetera. So this ties into this is we're departing from personal Columbia addiction stuff into what's going on more recently. And I realized, Kia, the only reason we're at the same place is because we haven't we haven't put the effort into building that. We've put a lot of effort into the craft, but that's like the artist's plight is thinking if I make whatever it is and it's good enough, it'll find its audience, which like maybe one in like a hundred times happens. But most of the time you have two different races you're running or two different skills you're honing. You're honing the skill of making the thing, the craft, your ability of whatever the thing is. And then the other skill of getting it out there. And that's a piece that I haven't been able to dial in. It's, it's, it's interesting because I've that really dialed in in terms of online business. Like when in terms of my like online business piece, I know exactly what steps I need to do, how to build an online community. It's great. I can get something popping online business-wise. But for some reason, there's a disconnect between my art and that piece. And so really trying to like put that marketing cap on to my music and really taking that to the next level and realizing that, again, life, life is just a series of serious choices. Theories is formed from experience, never mysterious forces. Like, it's not rocket science. I just need to dedicate the time and effort to that piece. And so I recently um, have become a part of this program that kind of teaches you how to run Facebook ads for indie artists, how to build a fan base for indie artists. And one of the pieces is having these – you have to have consistent content. And I do because I've been – I'm now 40 weeks in to my song a week challenge, flex on them. I'm 40 weeks into my song a week challenge, but people just don't want to listen to music. My, and my music is okay, but it's not like it's like the best thing you've ever heard. It's decent, but I realize, and here's the thing, decent I think is good enough. I think my music is good enough, which is the important part. It's like I still got a lot of room to grow. It's not, it's not as good as Drake, but it's decent enough that you might dig it. That said, I think I'm using that perfectionism I have as a crutch to say, oh, it's got to be better rather than just going for it, realizing like it's good enough. And I'm like, if people aren't going to listen to it, what type of video content can I shoot so that people actually pay attention or hear the songs? I have to have some visual component. I love doing these podcasts, all these podcast clips, but um, – you know, as a guy who is interested in a lot of different things, I love this podcast as an outlet to talk about things like mindset, music, travel, spirituality, production, all types of things. But my music, I need to have content, video content specifically for that. And I'm not out here shooting like music videos in the street. So I was like, I have a camera. I know how to work a camera. How can I just shoot like some easy music videos for this like a YouTuber would. And so I looked at a lot of people who shoot YouTube covers and I was like, dude, I could do this. Like, let me start making my own renditions or covers of things and just starting to shoot 
original music videos for all my songs in my bedroom because I know I can do that. I've got, you don't see, I have the door closed in my bedroom, but I've got two rooms. I can find a space. I can find a corner to put the camera up in. But I was like, how can I make this interesting? So I bought some colored lights, some like cool, colorful rainbow lights. And I'm, I've been experimenting with it. And so I shot a few. I hit up my brother because he's a documentary filmmaker. And I was like, bro, give me some advice on lighting tips. And so I'm learning how to use them, trying how to position them so that it can look cool and different. And how I can kind of like set up a little bedroom video studio and shoot videos. But so far, it's been, I appreciate everyone who's tuned in and the way that you all have reacted to them. I think that this is going to be the next step is just shooting more video content for the music and then running ads against that content also get out there as well as um doing more shooting for more kind of like like natural seo with youtube covers and things of that nature when um when i have that kind of figured out as well but it's i'm feeling i think it's because i was scared it's funny i don't mind hopping on here and talking to you guys like this is something i'm excited to do i feel really good about coming on these doing these podcasts with you guys but Something about getting in front of a camera and performing songs, there's that resistance to. I feel vulnerable and a little, yeah, vulnerable about putting myself out there in terms of the music. And I think it's because my music is the part where I've always been a little insecure maybe about my music. So um, I think embracing that, realizing the only way to do it is to do it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. And going to see where that goes and really focus on Right now, I feel like I'm living kind of this like shadow as as Stephen Pressfield feel. As Stephen Pressfield, and I think there's is it young, mm, young. There's some psychologist who talks about a shadow self, but Stephen Pressfield talks about a shadow career where I've got like these two things where I've got like my business around music where it's like close to what I want to do, but then I have actually over here like the real career that I want to have that I want to do, and investing time into that and saying the business is good enough. Let me finally hone in on what I really want to do, give it a fair shot, give it the time it deserves, and go for it. And that's where I'm at. So all in all, I'm at a place where I'm learning a lot. I'm taking boxing lessons a few times a week, Spanish lessons a few times a week. Start taking, uh, I'm going to start taking voice lessons with a woman in my building, just really trying to dial in put ladies on hold, become the best version of myself, really build my connections with people here, looking at next chapters. Uh, my mom's going to come visit in November, which I'm excited about. And really, I'm 30, so in rap years, I'm about 105. But this is all I want to do, and at least right now. And so... Yes, a lot of time has passed, but I finally feel like I'm making music that I'm I'm proud of and it's going to keep getting better. And I'm excited to share that with y'all, share that with the world and hopefully find some people who like it too. So as always, thank you for tuning in. If you even made it this far, you're a real one. And if you got questions, shoot them my way. No Q&A today because... Um, this was, I realized this was a long episode. I just got a lot on my mind. I wanted to talk to you guys about 
uh, thoughts on CLB, the new G Easy album, but maybe we'll save some album reviews for uh, next week. If there's any album reviews too you want me to check out or want, want to get my two cents on, feel free to send those my way to at Kia Orion, everywhere on the internet, Kia at KiaOrion.com. Um, yeah, this is uh, a new chapter, I think, new beginning, 30, figuring out about myself, and um, yeah, just learning along the way. So thanks for being a part of the adventure. It means more than you know. Check you next week. Peace.